listening to Understanding Jonah. This is part of the Understanding the Old Testament series that we're doing to make the Old Testament accessible and uh, easy to listen to uh, on your way to work while you're doing whatever it is you're doing throughout your day. You can get some Bible teaching integrated into the actual schedule and rhythms of your life. And uh, the Old Testament is such a great resource, uh, such a great part of scripture. And it is part of scripture. It's inspired by God and it's two thirds of the word of God. And if we ignore it, well, we're going to miss a lot of what God has to say to us. And we're going to miss a lot of what is the foundation for understanding the gospel. So Jonah has a lot of connections to the gospel. And if you understand Jonah, especially chapter three, you're going to see connections to Jesus himself. And we're actually going to see in Matthew chapter 12 that Jesus makes an explicit connection to Jonah as a way to explain the significance of his own ministry. So Jonah, so far, is a prophet. He's been called by God to preach to Nineveh, uh, which is the capital city of the Assyrians. They're the enemies of Israel. And he's called to preach a message to them for them to repent. But he doesn't want to do it. And so he goes down. He goes down into Joppa. He goes down underneath a boat. He goes down into the depths of the sea. And finally, he's down in the depths in the belly of a fish. And God actually delivers him from death through this fish. And in the belly of the fish, Jonah reflects upon the error of his ways, and he decides that he wants to obey the Lord this time. And so Jonah is spit back out onto the land and given an opportunity to put his money where his mouth is. You're now on the shore of Nineveh. You were running away from Nineveh, and now God sovereignly, uh, providentially has brought you to the place that he wanted you to go to interesting way to think about it. If God calls you somewhere or wants you to be somewhere, he's going to make sure it happens, even if he has to swallow you up with a giant fish. So Jonah is on the shore. He's walking up to the city of Nineveh and he starts his ministry. He's about to preach a message of repentance to this nation. This is Jonah chapter three. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh. By and he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Let neither man nor beast herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. And when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them and he did not do it. So Jonah 
washes up on shore and he begins to obey the Lord's call. And the beginning of chapter three is verbatim, a cut and paste copy of the beginning of chapter one. It's the same command, arise, go to Nineveh. And Nineveh is this great, massive city, this capital city of a massive ancient Near East superpower, Assyria. And Jonah's heading in and he begins to preach this message. He basically says, look, in 40 days, Nineveh is going to be demolished. And what's implied is you still have time. You've got exactly 40 days to repent, to turn away, to stop doing your evil deeds, to seek the Lord's mercy and turn to the one true God. It's not exactly a seeker-sensitive message, not exactly the best uh, or most winsome way to do things, but that says a lot about the way that God works. Sometimes God uses that direct speech, and I think sometimes we need to have the same kind of boldness. The truth is God will judge the world and that the only way to avoid that judgment is to repent. And what's amazing is Nineveh listens. Nineveh responds. They listen in a way that Jonah's own nation of Israel refuses to listen over and over again from judges to kings to all the prophets. Nineveh repents. And we start to see that this reaches the highest levels of politics. The, the actual king of Nineveh repents himself. He takes off his robes and he puts on sackcloth and ashes, which is a sign of lament over sin. And he calls for a nationwide fast and lament over sins. And here's the key. Nineveh believed God. Nineveh believed God. It's the one thing that Jonah is struggling to do. And these pagans get it. It's interesting that men and animals are included. Now, Alistair Roberts comments that this might be a reference to the reversal of the flood. So animals and humans perished side by side at the flood. But here there's, there's a reversal. God relents of his quote unquote flood of judgment. And man and animals sit by, side by side in light of God's mercy. So it's a flood reversal. That might be what's going on there. But regardless, the fact that the gospel message reaches the top of the food chain, the king of Nineveh, hears the message and repents himself is massive. And he even says, look, I want you to, to fast. I want you to lament over your sins. I want you to turn from your evil ways, actually have a, a moral reformation in your heart and call out to God for forgiveness. And then he says this interesting line. He says, who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. So forgiveness is not even guaranteed in this case. But the king of Nineveh is so convicted that he'll take any chance he gets at repentance, at forgiveness. God doesn't owe anyone forgiveness. But because of his mercy and his kindness and compassion, he relents of his coming judgment on Nineveh. Now there's a parallel here. Just as God heard the cries of the sailors, the pagan sailors at sea in chapter 1, and he heard their cries and stopped the storm, so also he hears the cries of this pagan nation and averts his own wrath. And what we start to see here is it's Israel represented by Jonah, the people who should get it that don't, and the people who shouldn't, the Gentiles, the Assyrians, the Ninevites, they get it. So this is a microcosm for Israel's relationship to God. God called Israel to be his holy nation, but they keep turning from his commands. And a wicked pagan nation repents faster than Israel. This should put them to shame. 
So God's people are acting like the nations, and the nations are acting like they're God's people. This is ironic twist. This is a reversal meant to prove a point about the grace of God and about the hard-heartedness of Israel. Now, we see this theme played out in Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 to 42. The Pharisees ask Jesus for a sign, and Jesus rebukes them and says this, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. So there's another reversal. Jesus goes, you're asking for a sign. Here's the only sign I'm going to give you to to show the, the truthfulness of my ministry, to show that I am the Messiah to his enemies, the Pharisees. He says this, think about Jonah. I am the greater Jonah. Jonah spent three days and three nights in the quote unquote tomb of the fish. And I'm going to spend three days in the heart of the earth because I'm going to be buried because I'm going to die. And then I will rise again. I am greater than Jonah. I'm a greater prophet than Jonah. Jesus is coming with a Jonah-like ministry, but he's not preaching to Gentiles. Who's he preaching to? He's preaching to Israel for them to repent. So there's a switch. The Israelites or the Pharisees are the Ninevites, and they are the ones placed in the place of pagans because of their unbelief, because they reject Christ. And he says, the Ninevites are actually going to be the ones who judge you. They're going to judge Israel. Now, this is a fascinating thing to think about. You guys judged Nineveh because you thought, oh, they're pagans, they're godless, all that stuff. But you know what? They understood repentance better than you. And one day they're going to judge you. So don't think you're safe just because you have an Israelite bloodline or you're descended physically from Abraham. It's one of the main points of Jesus' ministry. It's not about bloodline. It's about faith. It's about genuine repentance. It's about what the Ninevites demonstrated. And the Pharisees must humble themselves and realize they're just as lost as the Ninevites. And they need to trust in the greater Jonah. It's such an easy thing to presume upon the grace of God, to assume that because you grew up in a Christian household or you grew up in Christian subculture, that you're okay, that you don't need to repent, that you don't need to obey God. That's not true. If you understand the sign of Jonah, you recognize that it's those who repent and trust in Christ. That's the key to salvation. And repentance is a a turning away from your former life. It's like the king of Nineveh said, put away the evil works of your hands. Lament over your sins. That is the evidence that you get it. That is the evidence that you have genuine faith, that you have a desire to turn away from sin. So that's the key. The grace of God has a condition to it. You've got to trust him. And then once you trust him, that trust will manifest itself in a living faith that obeys God.